Welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is episode number 47, and we bringing out them shooters, right? Right. We going with AK-47, Andre Karolinko, one of my favorite players back in the day because he was a defensive-minded person in Utah. What you remember about AK, man? Uh, that we kind of forgot about him once Dirk hit his prime. <laughs> That's right. That's so true, man. But he was a great defensive player. I think, didn't he win defensive player of the year some years? He Yo, was in that conversation for sure. He was just tough-nosed like a jazz player is expected. He was multi-tooled. He had a, a lot of skill to his game, kind of like you expect like a European player to be. But sometimes they just get that reputation for being soft players. But he didn't fit that reputation at all. He was tough and it was just like slow. So basically, he was kind of like me. Okay. Um, so AK-47, this is episode number 47 of the Boxing One podcast. And we're going to hop right into some NBA news, right, bro? Right. I'm, I'm tripping right now, okay? Because after losing our man Gordon Haywood, right, in the first game of the season, things look pretty bleak for the Celtics. In fact... They lost their next game, and we were like, oh, these, this team actually might be a lottery team, even with Kyrie. But don't look now. The Boston Celtics are 13-2 and after winning 13 straight games, and they have the best record in the league heading into their matchup tonight with the Golden State Warriors as we're recording this podcast. Now, Kyrie Irving is on like a tear, right? I didn't know they measured this, but Kyrie is third in the league in clutch time scoring, quote unquote. More important, though, Uncle Drew is playing defense. We know about Kyrie's defense, but he's averaging like two steals a game, which is a career best. Now, this leads to the obvious question, right? Is this Celtics surge or resurrection because of Brad Stevens? As a mastermind or Kyrie Irving having finally put it together and being ready to carry his team on his back. What say you, Mr. Lassiter? So I'm part of me just wants to say yes to all of it. But if you just uh, held my feet to the fire, I still think it's more Brad Stevens. Um, I still think you got to remember this team was first in the East last year. Uh, with kind of like a hodgepodge of players that somehow Brad Stevens worked to make. I mean, at this point, we just have to say he is an incredible coach, right? Like last year I was watching during the matchup with the Cavs and it was, they weren't even close in personnel, but you would just see like the Celtics look so much better as far as just a coached team scoring off inbound plays, like taking advantage of everywhere where you could out coach another team, you would see Boston take advantage of that. It's just clear. Um, I think you look at Pop and you look at Stevens and you say, like, those teams have coaching advantages that make differences during games. And I don't know how many coaches in the NBA you say that about. Um, I think that list is very small, though. But Kyrie's played well. And Stevens really just asked you to be in the right position on defense, and uh, sometimes that's been something that Kyrie's had a knock on not being, not a horrible one-on-one -on -one defender, but just kind of not getting through screens or being where he's supposed to be. So it's been great to see him buy in. I really thought that Boston had other players 
because now that they had Kyrie, they didn't really need a, sm- a scorer at the small forward as much. So the Hayward thing I thought was a blow, but I didn't think it was like a death sentence to their season. So I guess I want to give Kyrie some credit. It's been great to see him uh, flourish in his new role. And conversely, uh, the Cleveland Cavs have not flourished in his absence. But I think it's clear to see that Stevens is just making his mark as an elite level coach in the league. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a death blow, but bro, 13 games in a row. Come on, man. And look, here's here's my thing. Okay, as much as I want to put some respect on Kyrie's name, I respect Brad Stevens way more now because he has put together this squad after Gordon Hayward goes down and he's basically coached this team to this record and they are going to be a good team even without Hayward. Like you said, they have some good personnel. I like the Tatum kid. I like Brown. Brown's a really good defender. He's definitely one of those guys who goes out there and defends. And here's the thing about Brad Stevens. Like a lot of people from college don't translate well into the NBA. We have a litany of coaches that had to go back to the B League, quote unquote. Patino, one of them, former Celtics coach. Um, Calipari. Yeah. Yep, Calipari. So Brad Stevens kind of has it, though, whatever it is. And I respect him for that. And because I follow and love and admire the greatest coach of all time, no shade Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, I'm seeing some of that in Brad Stevens, being able to put together personnel that most people don't necessarily know. They're not a team of superstars. But they're a team that gets things done and they have 13 wins in a row. Yes, they play in the East, but I think that's way more impressive than what I already know I'm going to get from Kyrie, someone who's going to score the basketball. And now he hasn't played defense, which is even more of a plus. Great, great run by them. And I'm good to see. It's just good to see Brad Stevens doing his thing. Now, speaking of Kyrie and being a point guard, okay, we got to we got to talk about this. And we want to do it now, right? Because we've been talking about this offline, but I think we need to go ahead and just flesh this out so you can know that I know who the best point guard between these two guys is. So if you got Kyrie and Dame and you're going to take them to a pickup game, who are you picking up first? I want to phrase the question like this. If you switch them on teams, is there any difference? Does Boston still go on this 13-0 run if Dame is? And is Dame actually better than Kyrie. I'm just trying to figure out where people are gauging them because I've always had them about neck and neck, but I always feel like Kyrie gets a lot more love than Dame. And I think every once in a while, Kyrie will do something with the ball that's just a little bit more electric. But as far as putting the ball in the hoop, I feel like Dame does that at a higher clip than Kyrie does. And that's saying something. So I was just curious who you taking. You know what, man? I was going to defer to the point guard on this one, but then earlier today, you kind of told me that De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball were pretty much neck and neck, and the Lakers picked them up for marketing reasons. I don't know, man. I don't know if I can trust you as a point guard anymore. I don't want you bringing the ball up the court. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know what? I think I'm going to have to go Dame too, though, man. He definitely is someone who is a scorer. And if they switch teams, shoot, they might be undefeated right now. That's that's all I'm saying. And I think that Kyrie is more prone to injuries. Um, as you can see, he's wearing a mask recently. 
But I think Dame is durable. He's a bigger guard, and he can score the ba- flat out score the basketball. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know much about him coming out of college, uh, but I do now. We just knew he was supposed to be the best rapper in the league. Um, (laughs) Exactly. But with Kyrie winning and switching teams, Kyrie say off-the-wall stuff a lot. This kind of makes you think, like, maybe he's not as crazy as we make him out to be at times, right? He says, I need to switch teams so I can be this. Then he goes out and switches teams, and he's exactly what he said he'd be. So um, I'll believe him there, but I know one thing. The earth is round. (laughs) 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 The earth is round, Kyrie. Sorry, bro. Not going to happen. Speaking of hoops, man, we haven't really talked. And I thought UCLA hoops was going to be in kind of this defunct mode until the younger ball brother comes along, right? But ah, we just heard about UCLA basketball in China. Reportedly, three UCLA players were arrested in China for stealing some sunglasses from Louis Vuitton. And why is this a story? Well, because China. China doesn't play that. You can get away with some of that stuff here stateside, but if you steal in China, you might get lost one day. They might they might have a body in the vacants. Um and you the might Jimmy Hoffa some serious jail time for real. But here's the thing, here's the funny thing or the irony of it all. The president was in China around the same time and kind of chopped it up with the Chinese president. He was like, "Hey, you know, those UCLA players, they're they're in trouble. You might want to cut them a break." And Apparently, the Chinese government did cut them a break. Now, thought that was the end of the story, but Twitter happens, right? And tweets happen. And the POTUS got on and said that these players should thank him for basically saving their lives. And the players absolutely did that. They actually came on and said, we'd like to thank the president for saving our behinds over in China. Now, Leangelo Ball, the second Ball brother, was one of those players. Now, Chris, he got to have the money to pay for these doggone sunglasses. Why is he up there trying to cop some sunglasses or steal some sunglasses, man? Didn't his brother just sign him a couple of dollars on the way to China? Or are those Zotus not selling as well? Bruh, how are you going to steal something that you wear on your face? <laughs> like the store that they oh. missing, but they see him in the picture. <laughs> so first of all, there's that, right? But I will yeah. tell you this. A couple of things. When I went, when I was in college playing, we went out of country to play in a, a tournament in the Bahamas, and our coaches were very adamant. Like, look, they don't play like they play in the United States. So you do something like you in a whole different court system. So just act right, you know. Like, I mean, we got that stress to us all week. They's like, look, you may not come home if you wild out over here, and like, and that was in the back of my mind on the entire trip. Like. You got to be on your Boy Scout behavior when you're over there because even something that could get misconstrued could mean you're not going home. Man, they chopping um, off hands. You ain't going to be able to ball no more. Like, seriously, you just cannot do something so stupid in a country like China. You just but can't. I will say when we went to those shops, that stuff was quite expensive. So I seen a Versace <laughs> shirt for like $200 and it was a T-shirt. I was like, nah, man. Can't I do it. I am good. Can't do it. I'm just trying to figure out why Zoe ain't slipped that man no money to go get some sunglasses, man. What's up with that? Where's LeVar, man? I haven't heard from LeVar. He was oh. supposedly like three shops down, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Well, he, so he was near. He was if, close. If I'm reading this correctly. Don't quote me on that. But I think I know he was there. But I, I, I thought he was in the vicinity when it happened. He should have gave him some of them big baller bucks. 
Apparently he did not. He at least used the barter system over there. <laughs> so um So look, man, we we actually get on to the president and others for using social media in certain ways to kind of have this self-aggrandizing behavior. But um a lot of Christians, I mean, myself included at times, like there are times where I post on social media and it can be seen as self-aggrandizing. Like I'm posting pictures of my family. I'm like, great time with the family. I'm actually supposed to be spending time with them, but I'm posting pictures. So I'm not, not really too far off from some of the things that he does. So I'm trying to figure out how can we, and maybe we want to talk about this, how can we best approach social media in this age of, of self-aggrandizement? What do you think, man? How, how do you think we can handle that or how how have you best handled that in the past I, I really do think um like we are like our whole life is supposed to be a movie trailer for the kingdom of god right and so at the end of the day like my stewardship of social media platforms should clearly show uh the lordship of christ and as his follower there should be like a gospel humility and i was just listening to something by john piper earlier this week um, a talk that he gave a long time ago called uh, Boast Only in the Cross. And so essentially um, all of my life, and we let scripture interpret scripture right there. Are other verses where it says, let another man praise you or give honor where honor is due. But there is this theme that we kind of see run through scripture that we should say like our boast should be in the cross. And so even with something as simple as like, time with the family like well why do we get mercy and common grace and like gifts like family time and vacations um it's because of our our savior um that we can enjoy these good gifts he loves to give good gifts to his people james 117 i think it's first timothy 612 so at the end of these days all these things reflect back on our savior well and we always want to have that in the forefront of our mind and even uh, when we post things um, that our social media has Christ as Lord. So that's kind of been my approach and I know I miss it and probably could do some things where you're like, hey, that didn't seem so humble, you know, but I really try to think through that before I post anything. So, I, man, that's one of the, the paradoxes of the Christian life is, is that we are to have a confident humility, um, confident in the fact that by God's grace, we have become who we are. And then having the humility to know that uh, we ain't really all that in a bag of chips. I just got done reading Andy Crouch's book, Strong and Weak, which is an amazing book on how to flourish in that paradox, how to be able to flourish in that paradox. And he has kind of this simple formula, this simple two by two table that he discusses in the book that's really helpful for me in trying to operate in that space of having that confident humility and walking it out in Christ-like ways. So you can um, you can probably skew all the way over to one side of the scale and be be kind of this authoritarian figure, or to the other side of the scale, where you kind of withdraw and 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 scale back um, some of your activities among people who need to hear the gospel. And he says that neither one of those are helpful for kingdom advancement, but you have to hold those two intention. And the kingdom of God is all about paradoxes and being able to live in that tension. So when it comes to social media, I think we need to be in that space 
but at the same time, we definitely need to um, to be humble um, in ways that will help to advance God's kingdom. Amen. Like you've said before, every week we want to kind of peel back some of our theological discourse that you and I usually have about a topic or a subject that might be helpful for some of our listeners. And I think this is one that both of us kind of continue to wrestle with, um, especially when the climate is the way it is right now. And um, this is the idea of scripture teaching us to believe the best in people. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians, right? He says that love believes all things. Some translations say that love actually believes the best in others. And uh, Paul expands on this idea in Philippians 2, where he says, count others more significant than yourselves. The Christ hymn, the great Christ hymn, my favorite chapter in the Bible. But if I'm really honest, if we're really honest, it's easy to actually assume the worst in people especially when it comes to people who share this different opinion on issues that we're really passionate about. Uh, sometimes we can listen without listening, but listen to answer them or to give a retort to them. So the question becomes, and I think a lot of people have this question and they just don't want to talk about it. How can we actually believe the best in others when they've either done something questionable or they don't share our opinion on an issue that we care deeply about? Um, what are some of your thoughts on that, Chris? Okay, first thought is, and I'm not going to say this in a trite way, but the gospel is our answer. And so um, because Jesus validates me, because I'm enough for him, and he took on all of my sin, and my identity is now found in his work, my union with Christ, I'm seen as perfect because he was perfect. Like, I don't need me being right to validate me like i'm already validated by christ and so we can enter into a discussion and i can be passionate about my viewpoint but i can know at the end of the day like my right standing with christ isn't based on my right standing in that argument and i think even just an acknowledge of no i'm right because of the gospel i've been made right with god because he's imputed his righteousness under me kind of disarms me from arguing of a vantage point like me being right means my salvation or my right standing with God is on the line. So I try to always go into it with that in mind. And then this was some advice somebody gave me for marriage, but I think it also applies to um, other relationships in the body of Christ, even outside of it. Like you don't compare your strengths to other people's weaknesses. So you and I are both minorities. And so at times we're going to have conversations about race relations inside and outside of the church that impact us on a practical level that may impact some of our white brothers and sisters just on the theological or the intellectual level, right? On the flip side, there are ways where I see things as a minority that probably need to be challenged by the gospel too. Um, but that isn't the hot button issue in America right now. And so Right now, like for instance, that hot button issue might be white evangelicalism just because of the political climate, right? Um, but just to say like, hey, I have that same glaring blind spot in my mm -hmm. own walk. So instead of impaired, like comparing my strengths to their weaknesses, what if I compared my weaknesses to their weaknesses and say, man, I need to have grace for this brother, even though we don't agree and I'm passionate about it and this impacts my life and I'm having a hard time explaining to this brother or sister like why this is so important to me why it's not just 
intellectual or theological, but like and in some instances, like people that I care about lives are on the line, maybe even one day mine, um, to have enough grace to say like, hey, I have blind spots too. Uh, Jesus's famous words like, hey, get this, get that log out of your own eye before you go get that speck in your brother's eye. And so I think that also produces a deep humility in me increasingly, right? Because I'm not perfect in this area and I'm still growing and I still get aggravated and I still sometimes just want to be right in an argument or a conversation, but really increasingly wanting to look more like my savior as we like applying those Christian one another's rather than just wanting to be right at the end of the day and then coming back to the fact that the gospel is my validation. Good stuff. So here's the centering thought for me when I enter into these conversations and even when I'm in the middle of these conversations, because sometimes when you're having the conversations, there's this something in your gut that just kind of says, okay, you're kind of being a little bit argumentative right now. You might want to scale that back. And I've kind of learned this in the process of I'm a lawyer. So Arguments are good for us. <laughs> but as a Christian, I think I have a, a, a greater obligation to uh, my status as a kingdom citizen, which means that I am not trying to declare my rightness in those conversations, but my brightness, which means that I'm trying to let my light shine before others so that they can see my good works and good words and give glory to God who is in heaven. So I'm ultimately not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to win a soul in that conversation. And that conversation needs to be filled with what Jesus was filled with, grace and truth, as John says in, in John chapter one. And if it is not, then I am standing more on my rightness, my own righteousness, and not on the grace of God. And I'm not able to believe the best in other people, but I assume the worst in them and I'm sitting in flesh at that moment. Um, so, so the recentering thing for me is how well is my light shining before this person as we're having this conversation, even if we agree to disagree on something in that conversation. Yeah, even though in the moment, like it can be difficult, it's good to try to remain calm, remain prayerful about that situation and remember the gospel and remember what we've been called to model. So. Lord, give us grace there. And the Holy Spirit is present in there. And that's where that conviction comes from that tells you something in the middle of it that says, okay, you might want to scale back a little bit, Jay Rich. You're not in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of most episodes, we try to give folks resources of what we're reading and what we got going on. I've already mentioned mine. It's Andy Crouch's Strong and Weak. Um, it's a great book. Loved it. Uh, read it in a day and a half. You know, I had a good four hour trip all the way to Los Angeles. So I had some time to to read some books on the plane. But I would definitely commend that to anybody who is interested in understanding what flourishing looks like in that divine paradox of strength and weakness uh, that, that God works through us in. So uh, for me this week, Jay Rich, I'm still working through the same book because I go through them a little bit slower than you, but um, I tend to be able to catch up on a couple sermons and podcasts every week. And there were three. Uh, we're going to show our gospel humility here and big up some other podcasts. But Brian Loritz had a sermon. He has his church going through the book of Joshua, and he had a sermon on Joshua chapter nine 
that just, I mean, it floored me. Um, it was really good stuff. Um, as we even talk about um, some of these issues, and you know, like a big tenet of this podcast has been trying to figure out the uh, gospel in the midst of the wokeness era. And Show Baraka was on the Jude 3 podcast. Um, there's a video online of it, or you can just get the audio podcast. It was excellent. I thought that was very well done. And I also, Jay Rich, he, he hangs out in those scholarly realms and has a seminary degree. Typically when we get on the podcast, it's more layman stuff. Um, but my man, Walter Strickland, Dr. Walter Strickland at Southeastern Seminary um, has a Kingdom Diversity podcast where they look at some of these uh, racial reconciliation issues at the scholarly level. And I just started peeping one of those today. And uh, it was the 20 minutes that I got through, I was like, man, I'm going to go catch up on all of these episodes. This stuff is so good. And I had a chance to sit in his class like I did sit in your class at Legacy and was greatly enriched by both of those classes. So that's kind of what I've been taking in this week. He was dropping those Strickland bars. Bars. <laughs> you needed some of those funk flex horns in the background. All right, man. Some of them for our podcast. You hit. You hit something today. I would have <laughs> hit it right when you was like rightness versus lightness. I would have hit the foghorn right there. <laughs> yeah, the face melting meme. Any of that right there. That was dope stuff. That's great, man. That's great, man. Closing shout outs, man. What you got? Two real fast, man. Um, today's my daughter's birthday. She turned 12. So shout out to Kaziah. Uh, she is definitely the most fiery of my five kids. Most of the time, that's a great fire. Every once in a while, we have to have a talk and talk about how the gospel uh, like manages our anger, right? But I love her to death, man. She's a great kid. She's a ton of fun. She, You can't be around her very long without laughing. Um, so she was even uh, wilding out tonight at her little birthday party, doing some funny stuff. Just a great time, a great kid, love her to death. And then my man Jay Rich actually got the box in one podcast.com website domain up and running. So shout out to my man Jay Rich. I see you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you guys, we are up and running standalone URL, box in one, number one podcast dot com go over and check it out episodes are still on my website but you can go on over and port over to the standalone site it's beautifully designed um good stuff and we look forward to connecting with you all there we also have a contact form if you want to submit any show ideas you can do it there would love to hear from y'all love it love it good bad critiques whatever let us know <laughs> my shout out goes to the homie steph curry for getting them checks Apparently, he's doing a mastermind class next year on shooting the basketball online. $90 a pop. He's teaching these kids how to shoot the basketball in an online course. I see you, Steph Curry. Shout out to the homie, Steph Curry. I actually had a chance to work at a basketball camp with his dad, and they have a really unique way of shooting the basketball, something I'd never heard of. But honestly, it did. It helped me a ton. And I think my shooting percentage probably went up about 12% between my junior year of high school and my senior year of high school. And a lot of that was just listening to what Dell had to say. So I, they, I, I commend it. They know what they're doing, man. Look, if Seth Curry can play in the NBA, you know they can shoot. 
No shade. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite player right now. I always got to go with an underdog player. And since he got roots around my way, you know I rep VA all day. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys. That's been episode number 47 of the Boxing One Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Rich and the homie C last again new URL boxingonepodcast.com go over there and check it out and make sure you subscribe to the podcast via iTunes at boxing one podcast on Twitter and boxing one podcast on Facebook we out here we everywhere join the movement let's go all right next episode we're going to be on episode 48 so we look forward to connecting with you guys then grace and peace to you